welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There's a guy by the name of Bill Hillman. Excuse me. He's a 32-year-old Chicago-based journalist. He's considered the expert on the running of the bulls in Panamalonia, Spain. Any of you ever seen these on YouTube or anything like that, the running of the bulls? So this guy authored a book, How to Survive the Running of the Bulls. Ironically, on July 3rd, 2014, this expert was actually gorged by a 1,320-pound bull named Bravado. Okay? It was then that Hillman reported to the New York Times, looks like I'll need to update my book. <laughs> Now, why do I say that? I would say, I would contend that I think the church in the United States of America might need an update. Let, let me help with where I'm going with that. See, there's a lot of so-called experts on the church, and they've written a lot of books, and there's been a lot of seminars. I've read a lot of those books. I've attended a lot of those seminars, and, and how church should look, and what should church should look like. And then we have something like 2020 happen. <laughs> And can we just say, I think we kind of got gorged by a bull, didn't we? And the church in America did that. And I think uh, we've kind of learned maybe we need to update some things and how we're looking at. Maybe some things were exposed. And and I don't think that COVID uh, changed anything. I really think that COVID kind of exposed some things in our heart. And it's been some difficult times for personally for people, financially, economically, politically. It's been some difficult things. But I love what Robert Schuler said. He said, tough times never last, but tough people do. And to be God's church in any culture at any time means that we endure. We are the tough people who endure through the difficult times, and we continue to learn. And so this series that we're starting today is called Built Tough, as as you can see. If you're a guest or joining us online, we're so glad that you're joining us. But uh, this is what we're going to be talking about. What does this mean to be tough people who last through the difficult times? and through the good times, too, as well. And we're going to be looking at this four-week series. We're going to be looking at four different areas of our life where we can be built tough. And as you can see, it's obviously not about the type of truck that you drive. (laughs) If you think that's where we're going, we're not. But how we build our lives on God's Word. How we stand on Christ the solid rock when all other ground is sinking sand. So today, to, to get it started, we're going to talk about how to have a strong, tough faith. You know, faith is a really interesting word, and when I say that word faith, maybe a lot of different things come to your mind. Uh, For some of you, maybe the artist Faith Hill comes to mind. That's not the faith we're talking about today, okay? (laughs) Just to maybe, but but what is faith? If you had to write down a definition of faith, what would that be? If you got your note sheets, I want you to take that out. Um, That's on the back of our uh, welcome sheet there. It's blank, but I'm going to give you a couple things that faith is not, because I think that Our misconceptions about faith are so powerful that sometimes they can block what the true definition of faith actually is. So here's the first one. Faith is not what I say. Faith is not what I say. You know, I heard a story about a young lawyer who was setting himself up for a practice, his first private practice. So he had an office, but it was kind of bare. He only had a desk, a bookcase, and a telephone. And he was sitting there wondering how long it would be before he got his first client. Well, then he looked up and he saw a man crossing the street and walking toward his front door. Well, he started to feel nervous and he wanted to make a good impression, so he quickly picked up the phone and began talking to an imaginary client. The man came to the door and waited several minutes while this young lawyer concluded his imaginary conversation. Finally, when he got done, he looked up and said to the man, Can I help you? To which the man said, Yes, I'm here from the phone company. I'm here to connect your phone. (laughs) 
I would contend that that story is kind of a picture sometimes of God's people. Let, let me help you with what I mean by that. See, I think being in a church, you can sometimes talk a good game. I've been in the church my whole life. You can learn the language of Christianese pretty quickly, can't you? And I wonder how many of God's people are having imaginary phone conversations where they look really good on the outside and they can talk a good game, but really there's nothing connected there. They've never actually been connected to the source, which is Jesus Christ, even though they can talk a good game and they can see it. You know why I can say that? Because that was me for a long time. Again, I could talk a good game, but was I actually living it out? You know how it's revealed is when those tough times happen, isn't it? That's when you really see who people truly are. Are they just talking a good game? Are they really believing what they're saying? See, there's plenty of words out there, but are we seeing the transformation in their lives? Faith is not what I see. Here's the second one. Faith is not what I feel. Faith is not what I see, and faith is definitely not what I feel. I'm sure many of us remember the feeling of falling in love and that, that first time you see that special someone and you get that little, little butterflies in your stomach, you get those little goosebumps, you get the little quiver in your liver and you just can't wait to be around that person and it just makes you smile. And, and even when they leave, you just hope you can see them again very soon. But isn't it interesting that over the course of time, that exact same individual can be the person that you can't stand to listen to them breathe, all right? How does that happen? How do we go from, oh, I love this person, I can't wait to be around them, to like, will you please stop chewing right now, okay? Anybody else with me? All the married men say, I have no idea what you're talking about right now, pastor. My wife is perfect, okay? But I'm just saying, we have those feelings sometimes. And I think those feelings are good. God gives us those feelings. That's how we fall in love. The problem is when we build our relationships on feelings, you're in trouble. And we live in a culture, we live in a world that bases a lot of things on their feelings. And can I just say it? We do it in the church sometimes. I've seen it multiple times where people have had a very emotional experience and, and they feel very close to God and everything seems awesome and great. And please hear this. I'm not here to downplay that experience. If that's your story, I think that's a great thing. The problem is if you build your foundation on feelings, you're going to be in trouble. You know, I've had multiple conversations with people that are at difficult times in their life, and they turn to God. I've, I've been in jail cells with people who, who have converted their life to Christ and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And then as soon as they get out, it doesn't start showing that, does it? Because we feel stuff in the moment, and we don't follow through with what we're supposed to do. See, faith is not a feeling. God Almighty is not a feeling or emotion. That's not what faith is. Jesus actually promises us that he says, listen, in this world, you will have trouble. It's not always going to go great. You're not always going to have all these gooey, ooey feelings inside. Sometimes it's going to be hard. And faith means what do I do when it's really hard? See, when rough times come, is God still good? Because he's still the God on the mountain as he's still the God in the valley. Amen? See, faith is not what we say. Faith is not what we feel, but faith is not what we just think either. See, there's a problem too. I think there's a lot of people who think they're very smart Christians. You know who I'm talking about? The ones who can tell you the books of the Bible in order. Uh, the one who can explain the theology of total depravity. The ones who can talk about their view of transubstantiation and a bunch of other big theological words I could throw at you to make you feel really impressed and, and make you feel really small and like, man, I don't know anything about the Bible. You know these people? Don't look at them if you see them, right? Okay? And, and here's why I say that, because that used to be me too, Right? 
I, I, I've been gifted a gift. God has given me a gift. There's a lot of gifts that I don't have. One of the gifts that I have is God has given me a mind. And, and I've been able to understand and read and, and, and process information very quickly. It, it, things come easy for me. School's very easy for me. And, and this was me for many years. I had a lot of head knowledge about God, man. And I used to love, oh, man, I used to love to get in arguments with people, right? Because I was right. <laughs> and I was, right? And I had the Bible behind me. But I couldn't ever understand how come I was never leading people to relationship with Jesus Christ. All I was doing was teaching them that I was a big jerk and they didn't want to be around me, okay? Now, you laugh, but for me, it was confusing because I'm like, well, why don't you want to understand all this stuff, all this information I can give you? I can help you understand this. And then I learned something that completely changed my ministry. <laughs> my wife is a saint. <laughs> but this is what I learned, and I learned this too. It's a phrase that just really changed my whole perspective. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know, how much head knowledge you have. They need to know how much you care. See, faith isn't what you know. God did not give us his word to be argued, to be debated, and to be used as a weapon. God gave us the truth of his word to be life-changing for other people. See, faith is not what you say. Faith is not a feeling that comes and goes. Faith is not what you think. But here's the last one, and I think this is really going to blow your mind. It might be a little controversial. Faith is not what I believe. In 2020, Barna Research did a study that found that 51%, I'm going to say that again, 51% of people in the United States of America believe in an all-powerful, all-knowing creator. Now, although that's down from 73% in 1991, quite a significant drop, over half of the people who live in this country say, I believe in a God. But we don't see the life change, do we? See, it's not just enough to believe. Faith is not about what I believe. James 2.19 says this, You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. See, the fact that there is a God and your acknowledgement of that God does not mean that you have faith in that God. Now, that's a big topic, and we're going to come back to that. But, but I just want to move on and talk a little bit about what this happens. What faith is not. Faith is not what you say. Faith is not what you feel. It's not what you think. Faith isn't even what you believe. So what is faith? How do you define that? Because I would contend, if you want to have a tough Christianity, a firm foundation, we need to understand what faith actually is. So in your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to James chapter 2. That's where we're going to be going. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. If you don't have one, there's a free app called YouVersion. It's available on any smartphone or device. You can download it right now. But as you're going to James chapter 2, I want to talk to you about the person of who James is, who wrote this letter to the early church. See, many scholars believe that this James was not James the disciple, not the brother of John. This was actually James the half-brother of Jesus. What you may not know is that Jesus, of course, was born of a virgin Mary who was married to Joseph who had children after Jesus was born. James was one of these children who was one of the half-brothers of Jesus. 
Now, I love what um, Andy Stanley says about this. What would it take for you to convince yourself that your brother was the son of God? <laughs> Anybody have siblings? <laughs> Anybody have siblings that think they're the son of God? Okay, don't raise your hand if you're there. Okay, But this is what happened. And James and his other half-siblings did not believe that Jesus was the son of God during his lifetime. We actually know from several Gospels that they would show up at Jesus and they would mock him. They would try to pull him away several times. We have incidents of that that's happened. But something happened to James. Something happened to James after Jesus was killed on the cross, rose from the dead, and he saw his brother risen from the dead. He changed and he placed his faith in Jesus Christ. And James became a leader in the early church. We learn in the book of Acts that he was actually part of the, the council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. And James became one of the leaders. So this is who wrote this passage. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who went from denying that his brother was anything significant to calling his brother Lord and being a leader in the early church. Do you think he has some things to say about what faith might be? I think so. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but no deeds, can such a faith save them? What is James saying? James is saying, listen, you can talk a good Christian game. You can feel the presence of God and feel all ooey and gooey. You can know everything there is to know about God. In fact, you can even believe that there is a God. But if there's no action in your life, that faith is worthless. Let me put it to you like this. Faith is not what you say. It's not what you feel. It's not what you think. It's not even about what you believe. Faith is what you do. Faith is what you do. And James goes on to give us an example. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Church, this is why we do things like partner with Pathway Shelter for the Homeless. This is why we do things like our collaboration with Discovery Church about finding a place for people to go during the day when it's cold. It's because here's the thing. Faith in action is what matters to God. It's our message to our community. Instead of talking about being a church, we are being the church. James gives us this example. Look at what he says in verse 17. In the same way, Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. If what you believe you say doesn't change the way you live, you never really believed it in the first place. You could talk a good game. You could feel good about it. You can know all about it. You can believe in it. But faith without actions is dead. Now, I want to pause right here because this is a really big idea. And remember how I said we're going to come back to the whole believe thing because it's a little confusing? So what, what, what James is not saying here, what I'm not saying here, James is not saying that you have to be good enough to earn your salvation. Please don't hear that. Don't, please don't hear that. Belief means I have to do something good to be this way. That's not what James is saying. That's not what I'm saying. It's the idea of the word believe that we mistake sometimes. Let me show you another verse. Romans 10.9. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, pastor, you just told me faith isn't about saying or believing. Well, which one is it? It's a little confusing, isn't it? Well, we're going to walk you through what this means. So the word believe in this language that the New Testament was written is the word pistuo. So it's going to be on the screen behind me. 
pistuo. Say that word with me, pistuo. Isn't that a good word? It's a fun word to say, pistuo. It means the word believe. Now, here's the part that's confusing. It's the same word in Romans 10.9 as it is in James. The same word for believe. But now, so which one is it? What you need to understand is the word that comes right after it. Let me help you with this. James says, if you believe that there is a God, that's worthless. The demons believe that there is a God. What Romans is saying and what James is reinforcing here is not that you believe that there is a God. It's when you believe in that God. See the difference? To believe that there is a God or to believe in that God, to say it another way, faith is saying and believing is confirmed by doing. That's how we show our faith. Now, this is a big concept. It might be a little confusing. So I'm going to give you another illustration because I think this is so important that we grasp this idea of what it means to have faith and how faith is not that we believe that there's a God not that we know that there's a God, not that we try to understand that God, but that we believe in that God. Ken Davis has a book. It's called How to Speak to Youth, and he tells about a time that he had a high school speech class. And this is going to give you a really good picture of what James is saying, what Paul is saying, what God is trying to help you understand about faith. So in this speech, Davis writes, they were graded on creativity as well as the ability to drive a point home in a memorable way. So Ken titled this speech, The Law of the pendulum. So Ken spent 20 minutes carefully teaching the physical principles that govern a swinging pendulum, right? A pendulum can never return, I told him, to a point higher than the point from which it was released. Because of the friction of gravity, when the pendulum returns, it will fall short of its original release point. Each time it swings, it makes less and less a mark until finally it is at rest. You with me on this? How a pendulum works. This is called the point of equilibrium, where all the forces acting on a pendulum are now equal. Then, Ken says, I attached a three-foot string to a child's toy, secured it to the top of the blackboard with a thumbtack. I made a mark on the blackboard where it was, and I let it go. Each time the pendulum swung back and forth, I made a new mark, and it took less than a minute for my toy to come to a complete stop. When I had finished my demonstration, the markings on the blackboard proved my point. The string went like this and eventually came to a stop. Okay? You with me on this? Now, then I asked my classmates if they believed in the law of the pendulum. All of my classmates raised their hand as well as my teacher. Then my teacher started to walk to the front of the room thinking I was done. But in reality, I was just beginning. For hanging from a steel beam in the middle of our classroom was a large, crude, but functional pendulum. It weighed 250 pounds of metal, to be exact, tied to four strands of 500-pound rated parachute cord. I love this kid, man. Who does that? Who breaks in their classroom and sets this up? I think this is great. Okay? Then I invited my teacher to climb on a table, sit on a chair that was on that table, put the back of his head against a cement wall. Then I brought the 250 pounds of metal up to his face, holding my specially designed pendulum a fraction of an inch from his nose. <laughs> so he said, then I explained how the law works in the demonstration of which everyone had applauded a few minutes earlier. If this law is true, I said to my teacher, when I release this mass of metal, it will swing across the room and return slightly short of its release point 
and your face will be in no danger. Then I looked at my teacher and I asked him, do you believe? (laughs) There was a long pause. Huge beads of sweat formed on his upper lip and he quietly said, yes. I released the pendulum. It made a swooshing sound as it arched across the room and then it paused momentarily and started back. I have to tell you, I never saw a man move so fast in my entire life. (laughs) He literally jumped off the table and hid under the desk. Then I addressed my entire class. Does our teacher believe in the law of the pendulum? To which they all responded unanimously, no. You get it? I can stand up here and I can preach my guts out and tell you I believe in God and I believe that God can do whatever he wants. But can I tell you something? When that 250 pounds of weights come swinging right at your face, what do you do? You know what I see a lot of times in my own life? I see a lot of times I'm jumping off the table. And then I got to ask myself, do I really believe that there is a God? I've been asked multiple times by people who have been part of our church and in our community, Man, Jeff, I know it's probably been tough the last couple of years with the church. And man, you know, have you ever thought about, you know, quitting or, or giving up? Everybody look right here. No way. Because my God said that Yankton matters. And he said, Jeff, I want you to sell your house. I want you to quit your job. I want you to move your family down here because lost people matter and they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that with all my heart, church. I'm not going anywhere. Because I can see that weight swinging right at my head, but I know the law of God that he says, but I'm not going to let it hit you. You see the difference? That's the difference between believing that and believing in. See, we say, like, I believe God will supply all my needs. It's in the scripture. We quote it. If I say it, you guys would say amen. But yet, I guarantee you, when you face a financial crisis in your own life, what's the first thing you pull back on? Well, I probably better not give to the church anymore because I want to keep that for myself just in case. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? How about when the doctor comes in and says, listen, I want to tell you something, and they give you the diagnosis, okay? Where's that faith at when that happens? Do we believe that God can heal you? Because that's what Jesus did, right? And, and here's what I want to say, and, and I, I, it bothers me sometimes. I know the last couple of years have been tough, but I heard a lot of talk about COVID, and, and please hear this. I believe we should pre- protect our neighbors. I believe we should love other people. I believe you should take precautions. Absolutely. But I heard a lot of people who are following Jesus Christ freaking out about getting COVID and dying, and I went, wait a minute. If I die and I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I get to go home and be with Jesus. Is that a bad day? You see what I'm saying? See, faith in God is way different than a belief that God will. See the difference between that? Faith is what you do. You show your actions by what you do. That's what faith is. See, we live in a culture that teaches us that everybody who dies goes to a better place. We hear that all the time. I've been to all kinds of funerals. People are like, oh, they went to a better place. Church, that's not what my Bible says. (laughs) My Bible teaches me that God gives a free gift of salvation to all of mankind, but it's for us to do what? We have to receive the gift. It's not enough just to believe that there's a heaven. It's not just, just to believe in a loving God. Do you put your faith in him and say, I'm gonna surrender my life to him? And I'm going to live it out by the way that you ask. See, that's what it means. When it says, we say to God, thy will be done. Or God's going to look at us and say, 
thy will be done. Which one is it, church? See, do you believe in God or do you believe that God? Faith is shown by what we do. Just like that teacher on the table, when that weight comes swinging at your face, do you have that faith that you're going to say, I am not going to flinch? Look at what James says in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Can I say it another way? Faith is not what you say. You can talk a good game. It's not what you feel. It's not what you think. It's not even what you believe. Faith is what you do. So let me ask you this, church. Why did you come here this morning? Did you come here because you care what other people think and you want to check a box that you've been in church? Do you want to build yourself up with knowledge so you can justify how much better you are than all those other sinners out there? Did you want to remove the guilt you feel when you don't come? Or is it just out of ritual or just out of routine? Or did you come here today believing in a God who loves you so much, who is all power and all glory? And although we have failed God multiple times, he still loves us and he still wants to have us in eternity with him. And that we're going to believe in his son, that he has the power to remove our guilt and our shame. Can I just push in a little closer? If you feel guilt and shame, I would contend you probably don't really believe that Jesus has the power to remove that. Because why would you feel guilt and shame? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what my Bible says, right? When we feel that big weight of guilt and shame come swinging back at your face, you can say, no, wait a minute. Jesus already took care of that on the cross. I can have faith in that. Or do you believe in that. You see, if God is really in you, then God will be coming out of you. An inward transformation always has an outward lifestyle change. Where is your faith? It's in what you do. So then James goes ahead and does something interesting. He gives us an, another illustration, a person from Scripture. He talks about the guy named Abraham. And there's really three key events in the life of Abraham that we're referring to about how he lives out his faith. And I'm not going to go through it right now. We are going to do this in our life groups. So Monday and Tuesday, when you come to group, we're going to talk about these three situations that Abraham went through and how he lived out his faith in actions and what that looked like. And you might be thinking, Pastor, you're just telling us that, so we'll come to life group. Everybody look right here. That's exactly why I'm telling you that, okay? I want you to come. I want you to understand this idea. But I'm going to go to verse 22. I'm going to show you this part. You see that Abraham's faith, and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he, what church? Did. Well, that was weak. We're going to try that again. His faith was made complete by what he did. Faith is what you do. Now, let me ask you this. What's God calling you to do right now? What's that act of faith that he's saying, okay, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Maybe for some of you, maybe it's the first time you say, Jesus, I'm going to surrender the fact that I'm a sinner in my life. And I'm going to put my faith in your redemption and in your love that you show me. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe for some of you here, maybe you need to start praying. Maybe that's the first thing you need to do. You need to say, listen, prayer is not some just sort of waste of time or magic formula. Prayer is my lifeline. I don't know how I could go a day without prayer. Because it's what I need to do. Because I have faith in that my prayers aren't just words. 
I have a connection to the almighty God of the universe. Why would I not share with him my concerns and my worries and my frustrations? And why would I leave that with him instead of carrying it myself? See, that's the difference between being faith in and believe that. Maybe for some of you today, you need to start reading your Bible. And and I know we talk about this all the time. God's word is transformational in your life. If you did not, if you were not in God's word this morning, I need to ask you the question is why? Why were you not? Because here's the thing. Do you really believe that this is life changing? That it's really life in, in, in itself in the God's word? Because if you believed in that, you would do that. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? Maybe for some of you, you need to show up Monday or Tuesday night. And we keep harping on this, but I'm telling you, I've said this before. The first time I came to a life group, I was so uncomfortable. I was so nervous. I knew nobody, and I didn't want to come back. But I'm so glad I did because I have faith in God, that he is faithful in what he can do in my life and that it can be transformational for me. Maybe for some of you, you need to step up and you need to say, hey, Sunday morning is no longer about me. When I show up here on Sunday morning, I'm going to show up and I'm going to serve. And, and, and I'm going to meet new people, and I'm going to do something to help give my gifts so people can know who Jesus Christ is. Do you know why I come here every Sunday? It's not because I'm a pastor. I come here every Sunday because God saved my life. God saved my marriage. God has been faithful every day that I've been in this community, and I can't think of anywhere else I'd want to be. And I'm just going to tell you, last week, man, I was flying on an airplane um, when you guys were meeting in here, and I was brokenhearted because I wanted to be here. Because I believe that God can change lives through this time together. And it makes me sad when I hear people say, oh, I couldn't quite make it because I had something else better going on. I just don't know what that does to the heart of God. I don't understand how you can be a follower of Jesus Christ and have your faith in him and have something better to do than be in God's house with God's people. I just don't get it anymore, church. And I'm just telling you, I love you with all my heart, but man, do you, have, do you believe that or do you believe in? There's a huge difference between that. That's what faith can do. And look at how James wraps it up in verse 26. James says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. What is God calling you to do? And I'm excited for this week when you come, you're going to learn about Abraham. God asked Abraham to do three pretty crazy things, okay? And they were pretty nutty, and they didn't make a lot of sense to Abraham. And by my Bible says Abraham did every single one of them. And God did an amazing thing through Abraham. Church, listen God has an amazing thing to do in your life. It doesn't mean that the 250-pound weight is not going to come swinging right at your face. I can't promise you that. In fact, it might come. But I can promise you this. It ain't going to hit you. I can guarantee you that God is faithful. You don't need to jump off the table. You don't even need to flinch. Because what's the worst that can happen to you? You can die and go to heaven and be with Jesus? That's a good day for me. I have a fear that in this country, um, we're so spoiled and we don't face any persecution other than people not liking us, which at this point in my life, I'm, I'm just telling you if, you, if you don't like me because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I, I don't care. <laughs> but but we, live in a country, we live in a world, sorry, where there are Christians who literally have to choose between life and their faith. 
and they lose their family, they lose their job, they lose their life sometimes because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And my fear is that if this were to happen in this country, there would be people in the church that would say, isn't that a terrible thing? I, I don't get that. Really? To choose the name of Jesus Christ, which is the name above every other name, and stand up for that, for your faith, and to give your life for that, man, that's a true blessing. Do you have faith in that, or do you have faith that God can do it? Which one is it? And, and I'm going to say it again. I don't think anybody is at, I don't think God is asking anybody in this room to give up their life today. <laughs> but I also think that He is. Are you willing to surrender your wants, your desires? your knowledge, your feelings and emotions and say, I'm going to have believe in God. I'm not jumping off the table. If you've been in this church any length of time, you're going to understand that not only am I not perfect, there's a bunch of imperfect people in this room, okay? And I'm going to guarantee you, you're probably going to get your feelings hurt at some point, okay? What are you going to do? Are you going to go diving off the table? Because that's an easy thing to do. I guarantee you that you're going to feel some powerful emotional movement of God, and then the next day the enemy's going to come along and say, oh, that's just a bunch of who you don't cares about it. I guarantee you you're going to open your Bible and say, man, I don't really feel like doing this today, but you're going to want to do it anyway. The challenges and the trials will come. That's why we need to have each other. That's why we need to have our gatherings on Sunday, and we need to have people in our lives doing that. That's what Abraham found out. That's what James found out, and that's what God wants for you in your life that we can be a people who are built tough. Let's pray. God, I have the same feeling that happens a lot at this point where in a minute I have to put this microphone down and I got to go live out what you just said. And God, that's always the hardest part that I struggle with. Because, man, can I talk a good game? I could talk a great game. Man, am I an emotional person? Do I, I follow my feelings a lot. And you've blessed me with wisdom and, and intellect, God, and, and there's belief, but, but none of that matters unless we live it out and we do it. God, I think about our physical health in the same way I think about our spiritual health. That every one of us in this room knows that if we want to be physically healthy, it's how much, how we, what we watch, what we eat, and we do our physical activity. Those are those two things. It's the same thing with your spiritual health, God. What are we feeding ourselves? Are we feeding ourselves in God's word? And are we living out our faith actively? Because if we don't do those two things, we're going to be unhealthy spiritually in the same way we're unhealthy physically when we don't watch what we eat and we just sit around and get fat. So God, I pray that whatever that is for each person in this room, that you would give them that thing that says, you know what, this is what I need to do in faith. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I don't really feel like doing it. But I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to take that action because as James said, faith without action is dead. That we would be alive. Not for our benefit, not for our gain, but so that the whole world know, that the community of Yankton would know that there are people who love and serve the real God of the universe, who can do all things, who can heal marriages that are beyond repair, who can set people free from addictions that have claimed their whole life.
who can release the prisoners, not just the physical prisoners, but also the spiritual and mental and emotional prisoners that we have. And you can set those doors free. God, this is not just a thought or a concept or, or a fun idea or a warm fuzzy. This is a fact of faith. And God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to know how to respond to what you're putting on our heart, whatever that is, whatever that act of faith is, God, that we could recognize and we would be truly faithful to what you call us to do. And God, when that big 250-pound weight comes swinging right at our face, we won't even flinch. We will stand firm in the faith. And that we would love and support each other so that when I am weak, you are strong. God, we thank you for all that and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. Thank you.